0: Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Byfield Parish. Uh, it's kind of awesome to come in here, and my, my normal seat was taken. I was like, Where's, why is my normal seat messed up? And it was great to have the children's choir perform, and also some of you are here to, to see those kids perform. And so thank you for being here. If you were here for that purpose, uh, it is awesome to have you here with us. Uh, So recently, especially, I've been watching a lot of sports on TV that was primarily related to the NFL playoffs, and there was this one Capital One commercial, Capital One credit cards that plays a lot during sporting events. In the commercial, a, a spokesman says, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision In the history of decisions. That's a big claim. Those watching the commercial are then taken to a park where two kids, they look like they're probably about ten years old, are picking teams for a basketball game. And the one kid says, I'll take Charles. And the camera Scans over, and you see Charles Barkley, the one-time NBA MVP and TV commentator, he goes, yes, and he hops on the team. And then it shows the second kid, and the second kid kind of rolls his eyes, and he's like, I'll I'll take Billy, who's like another 10-year-old, right? The commercial closes by reminding the audience that Capital One is just as easy of a decision. Today, we are continuing our series through the book of Exodus, and Moses is facing a decision. Last week, God told Moses who he was, the I am. In today's verses, God is telling Moses what he wants of him. This should not be a hard decision. It should be like choosing whether you want Charles Barkley or a 10-year-old on your pickup basketball team. But we will see that Moses really struggles to make a decision that seems very easy. And he struggles in a way that we have all struggled at some point if we are honest with ourselves. Let us turn now to today's verses. We will begin reading in Exodus chapter 4. Verse 1, and we'll read through verse 17, if you're using the Pew Bibles. Those verses are on page 44, and they will also be projected on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Let's just take a moment to appreciate God's sense of humor that Moses was running from the snake. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. with which you shall do the signs. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Moses thinks his struggle to decide to do what to do, what God asked of him in these verses are related to concerns he has about himself. He lists multiple excuses for why he is not the right guy for the job God has in mind. I'll say this for God, he is, extra- I'll say this for Moses, I'll say this for Moses, he is extraordinarily comfortable arguing with God. The real issue is that Moses doesn't think highly enough of God. In doubting God's ability to work through him, Moses is doubting God. Many people share Moses' thoughts about God's ability to use them. God is able to use any person he chooses to accomplish his purposes. We are not able to accomplish God's purposes, but God is more than able to accomplish his purposes through us. Moses is focused on himself. His self-assessment is not a positive one. He thinks of himself as a failure. His present existence doesn't line up with what he expected from his life. Moses thought he, was, he thought he was going to make a difference in the world. He had every advantage going for him back when he was in Egypt. There is ample evidence Moses has not succeeded in life. A few weeks ago, we talked about Moses' attempt to lead the people of Israel out of captivity. We don't need to dive back into that now, but it didn't go well. The failed arrogance of youth has turned into middle-aged resignation. This is a defense mechanism. If If you don't expect too much of yourself, then you won't be disappointed. Moses doesn't want to risk the hurt that comes with failure again it's not hard to understand why he feels the way he does he ends up begging god to send someone else anyone else in his place a modern person might look at moses and say you know what that guy needs what he really needs he needs more self esteem self-esteem is not a biblical idea though it actually isn't even a scientific idea i fell into this like internet deep dive a few months ago on the history of self-esteem and it was actually fascinating so there was this politician in berkeley california back in the 70s named john vasconcelos and he started advocating for self-esteem He believed that, quote, self-esteem is the best budget balancer, by far serving both to increase productivity and taxes, and to reduce human needs for public support and services. Vasconcelos was able to force California universities to research the concept of self-esteem because he was on the subcommittee that helped determine how these universities were funded. Through his further efforts, self-esteem gained a foothold in California public schools. From there, it spread across the country. As someone who grew up in the 80s, I remember being told I needed to have self-esteem. And as a 10-year-old, I remember thinking, that's kind of stupid. (laughs) The problem with self-esteem is it is pseudoscientific psychobath. Later research indicated the concept is basically worthless for predicting how a person will do in the future. Self-esteem doesn't determine how people do in life. It reflects how they have performed in the past. I'm not bad at singing because my self-esteem is too low. My self-esteem about singing is low because I am bad at singing. I have a proven track record. It turns out telling a child or an adult they should just think highly of themselves is mostly pointless. Although sometimes it is actively harmful. The solution to Moses' poor self-image is not for him to develop better self-esteem. Neither self-esteem or self-loathing is how people should look at themselves. Both are a rejection of what the Bible says about people. Let's deal with self-esteem first. Moses has plenty of evidence against why he should think highly of himself. He actually tried to do what God is telling him to do before, and he failed as badly as you can fail. Never even got a single follower. The first two guys he tried to lead asked him, who made you our leader? Self-loathing isn't the solution either. Moses is convinced God can't use him. God pushes back on that In these verses, if you were to fast forward a couple of books to the closing of the Pentateuch, which is what the first five books of the Bible are known as, those verses, they talk about Moses in retrospect. Deuteronomy 34 verses 10 through 12 say, and there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Wow. Looking back, the author of the end of Deuteronomy stated unequivocally that there was no one like Moses. There was nobody like the guy we see in these verses whining and sniveling about his shortcomings. God saw potential in Moses that Moses was incapable of accessing himself. Moses either thought too highly of himself when he tried to do everything on his own or too lowly of himself when he argued God couldn't use him. The common explanatory factor for Moses' inability to unlock his potential is that he was focused only on himself. God wants Moses to focus on him. God doesn't deny that Moses has no capability of pulling off what God has commanded him to do on his own. Instead, God shows Moses what God can do through him. First, God tells Moses to throw his staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. God then tells Moses to pick it up, and Moses does, and the snake becomes a staff again. Next, God tells Moses to put his hand inside his cloak. When Moses pulls it out, it is covered with leprosy. God then undoes the leprosy. The point God is making is that success or failure of the mission Moses has been assigned is not dependent on what Moses alone is capable of. God is more than capable of, of making up for human shortcomings. A few verses later, when Moses said he can't speak well, God responds. He says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you shall say. In the New Testament, Paul describes a similar conversation with God. Paul asked God three times to remove a limitation he experienced. In response, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Moses' inability to accomplish anything from God doesn't mean he is called to passivity. For Moses to do what God is calling him to do, he must trust God. God doesn't say to Moses that God will do everything that needs to be done. Even in these verses, you can see God raising the bar for Moses, the first thing Moses is supposed to do is grab the tail of a huge stake that used to be his staff. I don't know about you, but there'll be like a garter snake in the yard, and I I'll, I'll want to show off to my kids and act like I'm tough, right? And I'm like trying to pick up the garter snake, and it's terrifying, right? We're talking about like a foot long garter snake, and I'm like acting like I'm wrestling a king cobra out there, okay? This is not a small thing. Moses has a part. To play, he is going to have to go to Egypt, speak to the Hebrews, contact Pharaoh, and perform signs. That is only the stuff Moses knows about as he has this conversation with God. Imagine how he would be responding if he knew all that was coming. Moses is going to have to act on the belief that God is able to work through him. Faith in God leads to action. Last week, we talked about how God is unchanging. He is immutable in that he is an unstoppable force. If we are with God, we will be moving with him. James 2.17 says, Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Intellectual belief that results in no action is not faith. Moses has told God all that he can't do. God pointed out he would be with Moses. He provided Aaron to speak for Moses. He still expects Moses to play a part. In verse 17, God says to him, and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the sign. Moses isn't really doing the signs, though, right? God is doing them through him. Moses can't do anything on his own. True, but at the same time, Moses is going to be the one through whom the signs are done. God himself says so. God's action is going to be accomplished Through Moses' hand, with belief in God, actions result. God is telling Moses to do something in faith there is no way he could do alone. Moses needed to stop looking at what he could accomplish and instead have faith that God was able to accomplish all he was calling Moses to do. We need to do the same. Like Moses, we often focus on what we can do. Sometimes we do so in an arrogant way. We foolishly think we have the capacity to do what needs to be done. Anything we think we can accomplish on our own, it's probably not really worth accomplishing. The mission of this church is to make disciples. I have to realize, I cannot make a single disciple apart from God. Not one. I am totally dependent. At the same time, this does not mean I am of no use to God. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. He does for you as well. A denial that we can be used by God is a denial that God is able. If you think that, I've got some news for you. You're just not that special, okay? You are not God's kryptonite. Whatever impediment a person thinks they are is not an impediment to God. Years ago, when I was in high school, I went on this mission trip down to Florida, and we were re-roofing houses. Uh, Probably not a great idea to have a bunch of high school students put a new roof on your house, but that's a separate, separate conversation. And so we were up on this roof, and to put on a roof, the majority of the work is pulling off the old roof. Putting down the new roof actually goes pretty quickly. Getting off the old roof is terrible, especially in the summer in Florida. And so they gave us these shovels, and we were pulling up shingles and whatever, And I got the last shovel. And the last shovel left was flat-bladed. And the reason it was the last shovel left is because it had a crack in the shovel, right? And so I'm pulling up these shingles. And as I'm using the shovel, I realize this is the best roofing shovel ever. And the reason it's the best roofing shovel ever is because there's nails holding down the shingles. And so everybody else was scraping up shingles, but then they would have to go back with a hammer and get up the nails, right? I had the crack shovel though. And the crack shovel, you just popped those nails right out of there and they were flying every which way, right? But I perfected using this, this broken piece of equipment. And I tend to think of myself a little bit like God's crack shovel. Yes, I messed up, but God somehow uses those imperfections for his purposes. God can and will use anybody. God using Moses was not the last time God used a murderer. He used David. He used Paul. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is probably one of the most misused verses in all of Scripture. Scripture. Our focus tends to be on the I. I can hit a home run. I can close this business deal. I can do whatever. The focus needs to be balanced by the through Christ. Through Christ, I can accomplish all things. For some people, that may mean hitting a home run for God's glory. For a lot more people, it will mean taking care of a loved one who is dealing with dementia. God calls everyone to play a role in building his kingdom. Through Christ, he has made it possible for us to do what we have been called to do. The fact God uses imperfect humans like Moses to build his kingdom is a testament to his greatness. It increases the degree of difficulty unimaginably. It is also the way he truly makes us a part of what he is doing in creation. God accomplishes a primary purpose of his kingdom through broken people. That purpose is our full inclusion in his divine ambition. God is glorified through our inclusion in the actions necessary for the kingdom of God to come to fruition. Moses struggled to believe that God could use him. This is a reaction to his own failed attempts to accomplish great things without God. Going from extreme cockiness to extreme self-degradation was not an improvement. In both cases, Moses was not acknowledging all of the factors. He was ignoring the most important factor. When we focus on God's ability we see how inferior our own capacities are in relation. When we have faith in God's ability, we see there is no limit to what God can accomplish through us. Jesus is the full revelation of what God can do through man. While none of us will be Jesus, we shouldn't underestimate what God can do through Christ in us. We can do all things through Christ. It's not about who we are. It's about who Jesus is to be used. We have to quit focusing on ourselves like Moses did. We have to put aside our arrogance and self-loathing. Those that do so, will be used by God to accomplish his kingdom purposes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we often think of a, a lack of faith as being a, a lack of, of willingness. A lack of willingness to, to be or to do a certain thing, Lord. Lord. I think for so many, a lack of faith is a lack of belief that God loves them and cherishes them and wants to use them, Lord. And I imagine there are those here today that, that feel that lack of faith. That believe that God is, is good and great and just. But have a hard time believing that means he wants anything to do with them. Lord, I pray for any who have that specific lack of faith. I pray that you would overturn that lie in every heart and every mind. And it's a lie that we are all tempted to believe at times, Lord. I pray not that we would recognize that we have anything to offer, but that we would recognize what you have to offer us and that we would move forward in that grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.